Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as the son. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, or chastening, if you will, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more? Readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirit and live. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as, as seemed death to them. But but he for our I'm sorry, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We worship you, O God. We worship you, O God. We worship you, O God, you are our Lord. We sing praises to your name. Come on, worship him. We sing praises to your name. We sing praises to your name. You are our Lord. Heavenly Father, we greet you this morning in Jesus' holy and righteous name. God, we honor you and glorify you this morning. And we exalt you above everything and above everyone. Above every situation, God, we exalt you, and we look only unto you, to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We exalt your name because you are great and worthy of the honor and glory. We exalt your name out of gratitude for who you are and for all that you've done and are doing and all that you promise to do in our lives. God, we 
humble ourselves before you. We look to no man to do the things that you have, that we stand in need of because you have promised to supply every one of our needs according to your riches and glory by our Lord Jesus Christ. You have promised, Lord God, to never leave us nor to forsake us. And that's why we come this morning, because we are, we are confident in who you are, and we are confident in what you are able to do. But Scripture tells us, our God, that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power of your spirit that dwells within us. We are grateful, God, and we are thankful to you, and we lift you above everything. We put you before our families. We put you before, oh, Lord God, the work that you have called us to do. We put you before everything in order that we might be able to fulfill the responsibilities that we have in this life. We thank you this morning for your precious word, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that will take authority, that will take authority, God, over this servant and over the ministering of your word, that the weary may be strengthened and empowered, the weak may become strong, and the hungry may be fed, and the lost may be found. It is your word, God, that sets the captives free, that blesses life all over the world, even right here and right now. Holy Spirit, I am your temple, given unto me by God. I am not my own, for I have been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Therefore, Holy Spirit, I glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which is God. Have your way, my Lord. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Say glory to our Lord Jesus Christ on this morning. It is in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus Christ that I pray and I give you thanks, Father. Amen. This morning we continue our message, Staying in the Rain. This is especially important in light of the season we're entering into. In many ways, Christmas is the most difficult season of the year. People feel hopelessness and despair. They feel unloved and lonely. Parents have nothing to give their children except the love that they have for them. Many are unemployed and so many lack hope. I remember my own childhood. There were times when I wondered whether I'd have anything to eat or if I'd get toys for Christmas or even a place to stay. I remember my mom's struggles to put food on the table to keep a roof over our heads. I also remember how good she was at carrying my behind up when I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I remember how loving she was, and still is, but I also remember how she disciplined me. At the moment, I felt unloved and unwanted. When I became a man and had my own children, 
I understood better why she had to discipline me. Her discipline, in addition to her profound love, exemplified by working hard to provide for my siblings and I, was so that I would grow up to be a well-rounded man who would respect others, obey the law, work hard, and represent her and our name, our family name, or no. Her discipline was also designed to save my life. If you ask me, I think I have failed more times than I have succeeded. But her discipline made me the person I am today with all my flaws and failures. In a similar way, God disciplines or chastises those who are his in order that he might shape and mold them into his dear children. This morning, we transition to our second divine recourse, or rather resource, found in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. The first being the example of Jesus Christ, and the last being the enablement of God's grace. The second divine resource in this third, in this twelfth chapter of Hebrews is the assurance of God's love. Verses 5 through 13. You have your Bibles. Let's turn there now with me. Hebrews chapter 5, chapter 12, rather, verses 5 through 13. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as the son. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are refused by him. Welcome, go ahead. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as the son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have human fathers who have, who have corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live for sin? For they indeed for a few days chastened to us as seemed best for them. But he for our prophet that we may be partakers of his holiness. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hand which hangs down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet so that what the lane may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Under this section of scripture, the theme is chastening. It is the Greek word paiduo, and it means to train up a child, to educate, to discipline, to instruct, to correct, to punish. A Greek boy was expected to work out at the gymnasium until he reached his maturity. It was a part of his preparation for a better life. 
The writer views the trials of the Christian life as a spiritual discipline that could help a believer mature. Instead of trying to escape the difficulties of life, we should rather be exercised by them so that we might grow. I think the vernacular is no pain, no gain. So when we are suffering, it is easy to think that God doesn't love us or that there is no God or that we believe in something that's not true. So the writer gave three proofs that chastening comes from the heart of the Father's love for us. So the assurance of the love of God is seen in the scriptures, the personal experiences, and the blessed results. Let's take a look at the first of these three proofs. Proof number one, the scriptures, verses five and six. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as the son. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. Now this quote is taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 to 12, and it is a statement that his readers had known but may have forgotten. When we, when we fail to stay in God's word daily, we become dull towards the word. In fact, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 speaks to that particular point of whom we have much to say in our heart plain since you have become dull of hearing. For through, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the very first principle of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. This quote here in Hebrews chapter 5, verses, chapter 12, verses 5 through 6 is an exhortation. And the word exhortation literally means to encouragement because they forgot the word, they lost their encouragement and were ready to give up. The main words in this verse are sons, children, and sons, plural. These words are used six times. They refer to adult sons, not little children. A parent who would repeatedly chasten their infant child would be considered in our day a child abuser. God deals with us as adult sons and daughters because we have been adopted and given an adult standing in his family. Indeed, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 18 says, For as many as are led, by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit again of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, join heirs with God, I mean, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, now I say, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking yet again, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time of 
Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The fact that God chastens us is proof that we are maturing, and it is the, it is the means by which we can mature even more. Chastening is the evidence of God's love. Satan wants us to believe that the difficulties in life are proof that God doesn't love us, but just the opposite, my brothers and sisters, is true. Sometimes God chastening is seen in his rebukes from the word or from circumstances in our lives. At other times, he shows us his love by punishing us. That is, the Lord serves us with some physical suffering. Whatever the experience, we can be sure that God's chastening hand is controlled by his loving heart. I don't want you to miss that. God disciplines us, he chastens us, not out of anger or out of bitterness, but out of love for us. The Father does not want us to be pampered babies for a breath. He, he wants us to become mature adult sons and daughters who can be trusted with the responsibility of life. And isn't that true of our earthly parents and their disciplining us in order that we may grow up and become responsible citizens in our own nation? Now, the second, now the second of the three proofs under this, under our subheading here, uh, the assurance of God's love is personal experience. If, my brothers and sisters, you endure chastening, God deals with us as with sons, for what son is there whom the Father does not chasten. But if you are without chastening, of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate sons, and you are not children. Let me move on here to the second one. It says, why? Let me ask this question. All of us had fathers. But most knew their fathers, others never knew their fathers. For those who had fathers, if they were faithful, they had to discipline you, and they did discipline you. If a child is left to him or herself, he will grow up to become selfish and maybe even tyrannical. The point the author in verses 7 and 8 is, is that is making is that a father chases only his own son. 
This is proof that they are his children. We may feel like saving our neighbor's children, or our neighbors may feel like doing the same towards our children, but we cannot do it. God's chastening is proof that we indeed are his children. So why do godly earth God, why do good earthly fathers correct their children? So that their offspring, is the answer, might show them reverence, that is, respect, and obey what they command. Now, I know that a lot of children, when they get a certain age, they, they hear what their parents say, they, they pretend they're going to do what their parents say, but the moment they get out of the sight of their parents, they do whatever they want to do. But the parents are doing what they are supposed to do. So this is why the Heavenly Father corrects us. He wants us to re- he wants us to reverence him and to obey his will. Now, if we raise our children right, and if they are obedient, we speak of the word integrity. And integrity simply means, in a nutshell, that even though we are not around, our children will behave according to the teaching that they have received in our home. We can trust them to do what we have instructed them to do. And they will do nothing beyond that. A child who does not learn to submit to authority will never become a useful, mature adult. You'll see them on the street corner. You'll see them with gangs. You'll see them shooting at people. You'll see them robbing people. Those are not mature people. They're big in size and, and they're grown chronologically. And they can harm you physically. You can take your life, but that's not a representation of maturity. That's not a true representation of maturity. Any of God's children who rebel against his authority is in danger of death. So shall we not so much rather, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? That is the question. The suggestion is that if we don't submit to God's will, we might not live. There is a sin, my brothers and sisters, unto death. So says 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. As a Christian drifts away from the word and backslides, the Father chastens him to bring him back to the place of submission and obedience. If God does not chasten that person is not truly born again. If a believer persists in resisting God's will, God may permit his life to be taken. Rather than allow his child to ruin his life forever and disgrace, disgrace the Father's name, God might permit him or her to die. God has killed thousands of rebellious Jews in the wilderness according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Why should we spare, why should he spare us? Certainly this kind of chastening is not his usual approach, but it is possible, and we had better show him reverence and fear. He chastens us for our profit so that we might share his holy character. Let me ask you a question. Who would you rather emulate? Would you rather share life with? 
with someone that you can trust and rely on or someone that you know that's reliable, trustworthy, has a kind heart, a gentle heart, and will take care of you and respect you and treat you well. Which would you prefer? And here's that third proof, the blessed result. No chastening, see, verses 11 and 13, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present time, for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hand which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Now, chastening is the Greek word, idea, and it means the imposition of painful consequences or other disadvantages upon someone for their disobedience as part of a process, don't miss it, as part of a process for improving someone's character and action. Discipline helps mature us. It helps us to understand better life and behave in a, such a way that we respect others. So the author says, no chastening hmm, seems to be joyful at the moment or at the present, either for the father or the son, but the benefits are profitable. I am sure that few children uh, believe it when their parents say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, I used to say that to my children. I look at them and say, they look at me and say, yeah, right. But it is true, nonetheless. The father does not enjoy having to discipline his children, but the benefits of afterwards make the chastening proof of his love. What are some of the benefits you might ask? First, there is the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Instead of continuing the sin, the child strives to do what is right. There is also peace instead of war, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The rebellion has ceased, and the child is in a loving fellowship with the father. Chastening also encourages the child to exercise spiritual habits, that is, get into the Word of God, pray, meditate on the Word of God, being a witness by living for Christ. All of this leads to a new joy. Paul describes it righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is also important to know how God's children respond to chastening. He can despise it or think under it, both which are wrong. He should show reverence to the Father by submitting to his will, using the experience that exercises himself spiritually. Verses 12 and 13 sounds like a coach's orders to his team. Lift up your hands, strengthen those knees, get those lazy feet on the track, or on your mark, get on set, ready, get set, go. The example of God's Son, the assurance of God's love, certainly should encourage us to endure the difficulties of this Christian race. So now we shift from our picture from the example of Jesus Christ 
and the assurance of the love of God to our third and final divine resource, which is the enablement of God's grace, verses 14 through 29. Let me just read a few of them, and we'll address the rest of them as we go through this message here. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see God or see the Lord. We will be careful lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Let any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Let, let there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Hmm. For you know that afterwards, when we when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and the blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard said that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they should not endure what was commanded. And it was, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, the scripture says, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and tremble. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. I love that. To God, the judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him and speak. Who speaks from heaven, who voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once again shall I, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Verse 27, I'm going to read it all, my brothers. This is good to me. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken and of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have, let us have grace by which we may Serve God excessively with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let me see if I can sum this up for you real quick here. Firstly, as we run the Christian race, we have to ask, our, have to ask ourselves the question, what is the goal? What is our goal? The author explains the goal in verse 14. He says, peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And righteousness requires careful and persistent work or effort to run the race successfully. Lest we fall short of the grace of God, verse 16. God, 
grace does not fail. But you and I can fail to take advantage of his grace. Now, there's a point to be made here. How many opportunities have you had? And how many times have you failed and take and recognize the benefit of those opportunities and then pursue those opportunities? Probably quite a few. And some of you right now probably just passed up on some. So, in verses 14 through 29, the author encouraged the recipient of this letter to depend on the grace of God by warning them to look by faith in three directions. And those directions are they are to look back. The bad example of Esau that Esau said. Look up to the glory of the heavenly city and then look ahead to the unshakable kingdom of God. The enablement of God's grace causes us to do these three things. To look back to the bad example Esau said. And a lot of times if we go through scripture Especially if you go through the book of Psalms, I call that the book, the, the, the book of Psalms an experiential book because we see everything or all things that transpired in human life, the things that they did and the consequences of their actions all are set out in the book of Psalms. But it says, look back to the bad example Esau set. Look up to the heavenly city and look ahead to the unthinkable kingdom. When we look back to the example of Esau, verses 15 through 17, that Esau said, we're just looking carefully that anyone falls short of the grace of God, that any group of sinners prayed up, caused trouble, and by this they become defiled, and lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one mortal of whom sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, and he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently and with tears. Esau was born first, born firstborn son of Isaac and Rebekah. He didn't appreciate the position he was in as the firstborn, so he sold it to his brother Jacob for a lousy plate of food. His decision cost him the blessing of his father. And let me tell you something. Jacob blessed, when Isaac blessed Jacob in place of Esau, Esau missed out on a tremendous, a tremendous blessing. Listen to it. He said, Isaac blessed Jacob in the following. He said, May God give you the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. And nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. And let your mother's son bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you. And bless be those who bless you. This is Genesis chapter 27, verses 28 through 29. The beauty of this thing is that if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, we'll see that these are the same words God spoke to Abraham. And these are the same words that God spoke to Isaac. And now Isaac is speaking them to his younger son. After Isaac blessed Jacob with the blessing that should have gone to Esau, Esau showed up and tried to get his father to change his mind. But it was too late. Even Esau's tears couldn't cause Isaac to resist his blessing. Ah, my God. 
verses 15 and 16 are grim reminders of what can happen among believers. The writer warned that one who kisses the grace of God may become like a bitter root whose infidelity to God affects others. That's why they say you can't put rotten fruit in, in a barrel of good fruit because rotten fruit will destroy the whole batch. You don't, and so infidelity to God infects, affects others. Not only does it affect others, but it infects others. It draws others away from God. It draws them away from their faith and their trust in Christ to chase after something that Christ had once delivered them from. And what he delivered them from, they needed to be delivered from, and to go back to it is to reject Christ and everything that they knew about Christ. Such a person was like what such a person was godless like Esau, who 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 I'm sorry, whose loose and profane character led him to sell his inherited rights as the oldest son for the temporary gratification of a single deal. The author of our text warned the readers not to yield to transitory or temporary princes and foolishly give up their inheritance. I don't know any Christian who has walked, who is walking and walked his life that has not struggled at some point in their time on, with the question of whether to stay with God or to stay or to walk away from God. Because sometimes when things get hot and heavy and it seems like even God has abandoned us, we have no hope that we're going to give up and quit. So you're not the only ones that feel like that. We all have felt like that. But our faith in what Christ has done on the cross and the promises that lay ahead for us in heaven will far outweigh these things that we're dealing with here on earth. The Apostle Paul says it this way. The suffering of this world, of this present time, cannot be compared with the glory that will be, will be revealed in us by Christ. So we have to understand that if, let me say something, on my job, for 35 years, on my job, there were many times I would ask this to myself, you know, forget this, I quit, I'm torn away, I don't need to take this mess anymore. But then I remember that I had a family that I had to provide for. And so in spite of the indignities, in spite of the issues and challenges that I had on my job, I had a family to care for and provide for. I saved. I saved and I took care of my family. I am so grateful to God that even though sometimes he wanted to kick me to the curb, he, hate, he holds on and he hangs on to me because he knows my end is better than my beginning. Sometimes we need to be able to shake off the things of us that, that we are going through, look beyond the things that we are going through in order to see the blessings that lay ahead for us. No. If some did give up their inheritance, 
they will ultimately regret the foolish decisions and might find their inherited privileges irrevocably lost like Esau's were. This would, of course, be true for of one who ended his Christian experience in the state of apostasy, that is abandonment, that is defecting from Christ, which the writer has continually warned against. God's grace, my brothers and sisters, does not fail. It never fails, but we can fail to depend on God's grace. I want to encourage you today. Hold on to the grace of God. Esau is a warning to us not to live life for lesser things. God has created us and has promised us far greater things than a plate of food, than a few dollars, than a, than a widescreen television or, 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 or a, a purse or shoes or a suit. Remember what is important. And if you can remember and hold on to what is important, the things that happen to you will be minuscule. The Word of God encourages us to hold on. Here's the second thing. Not only do we, not only do we look back to see Esau sin, but we examine Esau sin, but we look up to the glory of the heavenly city, verses 18 and 24. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tender, and the sound of a carpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it were uh, was uh, begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore, verse 20. For they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much was a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. So and so terrifying was the sight that even Moses said, I am exceedingly fearful and trembling. But you have come to the mount, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are represented in heaven. Don't miss that. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The author contrasts Sinai, Sinai, and the giving of the law with the heavenly Mount Sinai, and the blessing of grace in the church. He describes the seriousness and the terror that were involved in the giving of the law, verses 18 through 21. But the people, that the people were afraid to hear God's voice. And even Moses feared and trembled. God set boundaries around the mountain. Even if an animal touched the mountain, that animal was to be killed with an arrow or spear. God had to impress on Israel, his people, the seriousness of his law just as we must with our own children impress upon them the seriousness of the instructions that we give them. This was the beginning of the nation of Israel, and children can understand reward and punishment. Unlike Mount Sinai, Mount Zion represents the New Testament grace of Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. 
the heavenly city is God, not by This is the city that the patriarch Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were looking for by faith. The earth in Jerusalem was about to be destroyed by the Romans, but the heavenly Jerusalem would endure forever. Who are the citizens that will populate the heavenly Jerusalem? It, and, and that's populated right now. It is the innumerable angels that are there. The church is there because believers have their citizenship in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await or eagerly wait for the saints of the Lord Jesus Christ and their names were written in heaven. Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Jesus said, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Firstborn is a title of dignity and rank. Esau was actually Isaac's firstborn, but he rejected his privileges and lost his blessing and his birthright. God is there in the New Jerusalem, so and so are the Old Testament saints, spirits of just men made perfect. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the mediator that is there, the one who shed his blood for us on the cross at Calvary. We learn that Abel is still speaking according to Hebrews 11, verse 4, and here we discover that the blood of Jesus speaks our glory, speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Glory to God. Abel's blood spoke from the earth from the earth and cried for justice, while Jesus' blood speaks from heaven and announces mercy for sinners. Abel's blood made Cain feel guilty and drove him away in despair, but the blood cried frees us from guilt and has opened the way into the presence of God. If we were not from the blood, if we if it were not for the blood of the new covenant, we could not enter this heavenly city. The question was asked, why is there so little preaching and teaching about heaven? The person asking the question then answered the question himself. He said, I guess we have it so good on earth. We just don't think about heaven. But the days are difficult. And we are having hard time, a hard time enduring. That is when we should look up and contemplate the glories of heaven. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. The right of Israel endured as they looked ahead to the city of God that was being prepared for them. And one way to lay hold of God's grace is to look ahead by faith in Jesus Christ to the wonderful future he has prepared for you and I. And then the third thing is that we look ahead to the unshakable kingdom of God. Verses 25 and 29. See that you do not refuse him who speaks for it. If they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, who forth then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates 
the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reference and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, God is speaking to us today through his word, his providential working in the world. Now is the time, my brothers and sisters, for us to listen intently to what God is saying. If God took things at Mount Sinai and those who refused to hear were just, how much more responsible are we today who have experienced the blessings of the new covenant? God is shaking things up today. Just as a, just look at what's happening around the world and even in our own country. God wants to tear down the temporary stuff and reveal the unshakable realities that are eternal. Unfortunately, too many people, including Christians, Christians are building their lives on things that are being shaken. The shaking quotation is from Habakkuk's Haggai, rather, chapter 2, verse 6, and it refers to the time when the Lord shall return and fill his house with his glory. As even draws and as events draw nearer to that time, we shall see more shaking in this world. But a Christian can be confident, for he or she shall receive an unshakable kingdom. In fact, he is part of God's kingdom today. What shall we do as we live in a shaking world? That is the question. Listen to God, speak, and obey him. That is the answer. Listen to God, speak, and obey him. Receive grace day by day to serve him with reverence and godly peace. Do not be distracted or frightened by the tremendous changes going on around you. Stay in the race with endurance. Keep looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Remember that our Heavenly Father loves us and draw on God's enabling grace. That's what we can do while we live in this shaking world. While others are being scared out of their minds, you and I can be confident in Christ. But to be absent from this earth is to be present with the Lord. Now, after hearing this word, there may be one, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then the forgiveness of your sin. God is ready right now to turn the situation around. Send a man, send a woman, send a boy, send a girl. The question is, if God were to call you right now, can you honestly say that you're ready to go and be with the Lord? If not, if I were you, I'd make that decision today. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you to become a part of Jesus Christ's ministry, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home on my way to my heavenly home. Then we welcome you. Thirdly, if you are backslide and you want that joy restored in your life, I'm here to tell you he will restore the joy in your life. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He will do it, and he will do it now. Fourthly, if you're seeking the fullness of his Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God says the day that you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart. Especially if you're away from your church home, you need someone to watch over your soul, pray for you, teach you the Word of God, minister the Word of God to you. Uh, consider becoming a member of this ministry, and when you have completed your assignment in this area, you can return home to your home church if that's where the Lord leads you to assist your senior pastor in fulfilling the vision that God called him or to. Finally, if you are in need of prayer, God is a God who answers prayer. He is a prayer answering God. He is listening for your concerns. He is listening for your cry unto him. He wants you to come to him. Prayer offers us that, in, that, 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 intimate, inter, that intimate communication with him. Whoever you are, if you're in need of prayer, come to the altar on this morning and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to give your life to Christ, as I stated earlier, come to the altar. If you're looking for a church home, come. Become a part of us. Thirdly, if you are a backslider, come on up. He's ready to receive you back to himself. Fourthly, if you are looking for the fullness of his Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, come forward. I believe the Lord will grant unto you that which he has given, he has purpose for you to have. Fifthly, if you are away from your church home, consider joining our watch here program, under our watch here program, and then, of course, if you are in need of prayer, please come. Any of you, all of you, we welcome you. Repeat after me. For those of you who would like to give your life to Christ, repeat after me. Dear God, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe that Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, came into the world, died for my sins. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. I promise you, from this point forward, as you give me strength, I will seek to serve you in every area of my life. And if you are backslided and you want to return to the Lord, repeat after me, dear God, I had a relationship with you, but I still have a relationship with you. Forgive me for the sins I've committed. Receive me back into your kingdom. And I promise you, from this point forward, Lord Jesus, as you give me strength, I will seek to serve you in every area of my life. As you pray these prayers, then I want to welcome you back to the kingdom of God and welcome you to the kingdom of God. The angels in heaven are rejoicing, and so are we. We're so grateful to you for the blessing uh, that God has bestowed upon your life. I ask you now that if you receive the gift of eternal life on today, Go to our Facebook page, Jesus Christ Ministries Global, and let us know about the gift that you just received. And then um, we will have announcements here in just a moment where you will be given our address, and or you can just write to us. We would love to hear from you. Indeed, it is rewarding and comforting to know that we are ministering to those and that there are those who are hearing the messages, receiving the messages, and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of hearing the messages that have been ministered by the Spirit of God 
through Jesus Christ Ministries Global. Then let's pray down. Our Father, we thank you for those who gave their lives under Christ this morning. I pray now that you will minister to them and keep them strong and healthy, Lord God. Uh, Lord, lead them to your word. Open their minds that they may receive a greater understanding and knowledge of who you are and and with your word instructs them to do. Thank you, God, for watching over them and protecting them as they go through this week, keeping them strong and healthy, that no harm comes to them or their family. In every one of their needs, God, I pray now through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I hang up, I want to take five things I want you to do before, before we just continue here. Uh, five things I want you to do that will help you grow in your spiritual world. Number one, use the word of God. Number two, Pray, talk to God every day, several times throughout the day. God, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. Thirdly, find the church, pray and ask God to, to lead you to the church that he wants you to be at, where you will be free, where the word of God will be taught to you and his model for you in order that you may grow in your Christian walk. Five, four things you want to do is fellowship with other Christians, mature Christians who can help you to grow and and, and deal with the issues that you face because invariably many of them have dealt with if most of not everything that you have dealt with simply by, by virtue of being human and then of course by being a Christian. And then simply tell somebody what Christ has done for you today. Deal with it. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you today. The Lord gave me eternal life today. I tell you, I tell, I tell you that is a blessing of all blessings. I don't know about you, but I am a about what the Lord does in the lives of believers and what he's going to do, not only what he's doing right now, what he's going to do. I bless God and I praise God for him this time to our executive pastor with our announcements at this time. Executive Good afternoon. We can be found at Twitter at WTM Global and the number one. We can also be found on Facebook at Jesus Christ Ministries Global. I can also be found on Facebook under Submitted Wise and DMV. And the other address is Post Office Box 
Well, Lord God, those who are present here with us on this morning, bless them and keep them this week, God, and bring them back again. And I did. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.